to see you all today on this Wednesday. For us, it's been a uh, short week because I was off Monday and was off yesterday. I was telling my coworkers I was real sluggish this morning uh, getting up for work because, uh, you know, I was off Monday and Tuesday. I, I did all my grilling and everything on um, on Monday. So yesterday, didn't do much of anything at all. Um, and we're very fortunate, very blessed to not have had to work uh, yesterday because everyone can't everyone can't say that. So we're very fortunate and grateful that um, we were able to be off. I don't take that for granted. And today is back off to the races. And next week we'll be on. Uh, We'll be out of town next week because we're going on vacation, so we won't have Bible study next week. Uh, we're leaving Monday and coming back Friday. And then Saturday, we got to run to Huntsville. Next Saturday, for Chandler's orientation at Alabama a &M. So we're going to have a busy week next week. But we're going to get back Friday evening sometimes, and then got to turn right back around and drive to Huntsville Saturday morning. Uh, leave early because I think they saw it at 8:30 something like that. So we gotta leave early. So don't feel bad for us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we got a busy week coming up next week. But uh, so we won't have Bible study next week. But tonight we're going to be in the third chapter of Joshua, and this is one of the great chapters in the book where Israel crosses the Jordan river you know you heard songs and hymns about crossing the Jordan you know going on the other shore um, so this this uh, is, is where that comes from you know Jordan uh, crossing into the promised land is um, you know the land of freedom the land of milk and honey the land that God had promised them uh, before to their fathers and now they're going to actually get to do that, to cross this river, to cross the Jordan. So let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing on our time tonight. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for those who are here, who are gathered, those who are watching on Facebook Live, and those who will listen to it. Lord, bless our time in your word tonight as we look at this third chapter of the book of Joshua as you look at them crossing the Jordan River. A lot of biblical symbolism in this. Uh, so Lord, just bless our time, refresh our time uh, together, refresh our souls by your word. Send your spirit to show us your truth, to show us Christ, to show us the gospel, to show us more about you. And Lord, fill me with your spirit to teach this text well. Give us all wisdom and understanding. In Christ's name, amen. Excuse me. So, verses 1 and 2. We're going to look at this in sections as we always do. Again, this is the chapter, third chapter, where Israel is crossing the Jordan. If you have, like, a Bible with titles in it of chapters and stuff, or subtitles, you know, mine says... Uh, Israel crosses the Jordan 
Some may say crossing the Jordan or whatever the case may be. So first, God gives instructions for crossing the Jordan. Now, the Jordan was a small uh, river, and it flowed into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is below sea level. And the Dead Sea is where um, it's so far below sea level that uh, people can get out of it and, and float in it. Uh, but that's where the Jordan River flows into. It flows into the uh, Dead Sea. And I don't know how wide it was at its widest, but it was still wide enough uh, to where Israel could cross over it. And we're going to see uh, God take them over uh, this river. Okay? So, it says here, verses 1 and 2, first of all, they're camping by the Jordan, and they're facing a helpless situation because they don't know what to do. So they're going to get guidance and instruction from the Lord. So it says here, then Joshua rose early in the morning. And remember, this is after the spies this is on the hills of chapter two, when the spies, you know, went into Jericho and, you know, they were hidden in, in Rahab's house. And then they came back uh, into the land. And so now this is the uh, next day it says, then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from uh, Shittim or the Acacia Grove as some translations say and they came to the Jordan he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and commanded the people so First, we see the instruction. They came to the Jordan. Now, God told the people to wait there three days. And we see that uh, mentioned in uh, Joshua, the first chapter, verse 11, which says, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you. So this is when this is actually being played out. So all that time, the people saw this river that was probably rushing with water. It was probably swelling with rains. And they were probably wondering how we're going to cross this river. Okay, it wasn't like a creek. It wasn't like Chocolaco Creek, okay? This was a river that they were going to cross. And they are probably wondering how are we going to cross this river? Okay, in chapter two, the spies had to cross the Jordan to go into uh, this land. But now we're talking about a nation of millions of people crossing this river with all their possessions. Remember, these weren't just people. They had animals. They had their tents and everything that they had to pack up. Because remember, these were nomadic people. They hadn't settled into the land yet. They had the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. They had the Ark of the Covenant, which we're going to see. They had all their possessions, their clothes, their children, their livestock, everything they needed for, you know, cutting down the vegetation. I mean, just everything. You have to keep that in mind. These were, they were traveling in the desert. So, you know, 
They had all their belongings with them. Okay, millions of people, two, three million people about to cross the river. So this was a very daunting task uh, for them. So it says after three days, the officers went through the camp. So the officers went through to encourage them and to talk to them. And what did the officers do? Verse 3 through 5. They commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after. It's a lot of gospel stuff in this. Then you shall set out from the place. Um, I'm sorry, reading it again and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So, those three days, the men went through the camp giving the people instructions. They went and gave them instructions. That's what they did during these uh, three days. They alerted the people that they would cross over the Jordan within three days. And at the end of those three days, the officer gave more specific instructions to them. Okay? And so they told them what was going to happen. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, we have to be reminded, the Ark of the Covenant symbolizes God's presence uh, among his people. We see that back in uh, the book of Exodus. Exodus 25, as a matter of fact. So the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence, his mediating presence among his people. Okay? Now, when the Ark wasn't among the people, it was kept in the most holy place. And that's where the mercy seat was. That's where the, the sacrifice was made in the most holy place by the high priest, you know, uh, making atonement for the people on the Day of Atonement. Okay, it was in the, the tabernacle. Later it would be placed in the temple when the temple was built uh, by Solomon. Okay, now the ark was not some magical object to be trifled with. It represented the presence of God, the mediating presence of God among his people. Up until this point, they were being led by what? The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Now they're going to be led by the ark of the covenant, which is still representing God's presence among them. So the ark of God will lead the way. So Joshua didn't send uh, engineers out to build a dam to stop the river. He didn't do that. He sent the priests who carried the ark of the covenant. And remember, the ark was the visible representation of God's presence with his people. No ark, no presence of God. Okay, so Joshua knew that this was a spiritual problem. It wasn't, it wasn't going to take human engineering for them to cross this Jordan 
river. This was a spiritual problem that could only be solved by God's presence. But God required that they keep 1,000 yards uh, between uh, uh, behind the ark. That's why it says how many cubits? It said over 2,000 cubits by measure. That's about 1,000 yards or about 3,000 feet. So they had to keep basically three football field lengths from around the ark so that they could know where they were going. So they had to keep a very long distance off or away from the ark that they may know where they must go. So this shows that the ark of the covenant led the way. It wasn't going to be the people. It was going to be God in his presence. So they could only follow after God's presence. They could not follow their, their own will. So that's what this symbolized. So he says here, do not come near that you may know that by the way which you must go for you have not passed this way before. They've never been this way before. So they needed God's presence to be with them. Because they've never been this way before. So, what does this show us? Honestly, we don't know where we're going in this life. We have plans. We have goals. We have hopes. We have dreams. We have things we want to accomplish. We have things mapped out. But only God knows where we're truly going. Follow God's lead. Israel didn't know where they were going. Yeah, they knew they were crossing the river, but they didn't know how they were going to do it. They didn't know how they were going to cross this river with two, three million people. They had no idea. So they had to trust in the Lord. The Lord knew where they were going. He knew the way in which they were going. This is the way walk therein, basically, is what God was saying to them. This is the way. The way in which I'm going to show you. Our life is like that as believers. We follow the Lord's way. We go the way God shows us. We have plans. A man plans his way, as the proverb says, but the Lord directs his steps. And it's another proverb that says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. When God orders our steps, we can never go wrong. When we follow God's lead, because many times what we try to do, we try to go our way and then want God to follow us. That's what we try to do. We try to go our own way. We try to chart our own course. And then basically ask God to follow us. But God follows no man. He's God. He's sovereign. He's the ruler. He's the one who knows where we're going to go. He's the one who knows where we ought to be. So we follow God's lead. So Israel, they had to stand far away from this ark so that they could know where they were going. That you may know the way before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. Since this was going to be a spiritual battle, 
Joshua required that the people have a spiritual preparation. Sanctify themselves basically meant setting themselves apart. Setting themselves aside. Separating themselves. In the Old Testament, this included um, washing their clothes and temporarily uh, for those who were married, uh, ex abstaining from sexual relations. This was a time, a, a very somber undertaking that they were about to partake in. So they had to consecrate themselves. They had to basically fast and just humble themselves, separate themselves. So God told them to sanctify themselves. They would separate from the common things to focus in on the Lord. And to see that the Lord would do wonders among them. We can't see what God is doing among us when we're not separating ourselves unto God. If we make it all about us, we'll never see what God is doing. Because we're so focused on us and what we're doing and what we want to accomplish. This was a spiritual battle that they were about to face. The presence of the Lord was going to be with them. They had to follow the Lord. So they had to sanctify themselves. And so now in verse 6 we see. Then Joshua spoke. To the priest saying. Take up the ark of the covenant. And cross over before the people. So they took up the ark and went before the people. So the. He called the priest to do that. He told us to the priest. The priests were the spiritual leaders. Take up the ark. So this was commanding them to, to do that. God commanded Joshua to command them uh, to do that. To take God's presence ahead of the people. So this was a step of faith that Joshua was taking. He commanded the priest to take up the ark and pass over before the people. This was a step of faith that Joshua uh, had made in doing that. And so guess what? They did it. So it says here in verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, today or this day, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as it was with as it was with Moses, so it will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Now. Joshua takes this step of faith, telling the priest to go in across the river. And what does God do? God encourages him all the way. He says, I'm going to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. Now, it was God who exalted Joshua. Joshua did not exalt himself. It was God who did this. Because through Joshua's leading, the people uh, safely through the river, the Lord exalted him. So that the people stood in awe of him. Just like they stood in awe of Moses. We're going to see that uh, in the, I think the next chapter. God wanted Israel to look to Joshua as 
their leader just as they looked to Moses as their leader. But it was God who did it. It wasn't Joshua who lifted himself up. I thought about this on Sunday about these so-called apostles and, and, and self-proclaimed apostles and bishops. How they, they want the people to exalt them and to lift them up and to worship them. They don't let God do it. They say that God is doing it, but God is not doing it. They, they're, they're self-centered men and self-centered women. They want to be exalted among people. They want to be worshipped. But they're not good spiritual leaders. Joshua was chosen by God to lead the people after Moses uh, had gotten old and was ready to die. So God exalted Joshua in the presence of the people so that they could look to him. He says that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He was going to make him a leader like Moses was in the eyes of the people. And how was he going to do it? The same way he did with Moses. He was going to do it by using Joshua to miraculously lead the people across the Jordan, just like Moses did what? Led Israel across the Red Sea. Same way. Same way. Moses, God chose Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt, out of the bondage of slavery, into the wilderness. Joshua is leading Israel from the bondage of the wilderness into the promised land. They were both men chosen by God. It said, when you come to the edge of the water, you shall stand in the Jordan. So he was going to stand in the Jordan. Then verses 9, it says, So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know. I love this. This uh, When I was reading this uh, earlier this evening, I said, man, this just sounds so good, Lord. Lord is so good. So looking back at verse 10 again, look at what he says about God. By this you shall know that the dead God is among you, the living God. He's my translation says the living God is among you. And that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Look who they have on their side. The Lord of all the earth. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that came from upstream, that they shall stand as a heap. Man. By this you shall know that the living God is among you. God is alive. 
He's, he's not dead like the deities of the, of the pagans. It's the difference between God and the living God. Our God lives. Our God reigns. Our God rules. Our God is alive. He's not dead like the pagan gods, the gods of this culture, the, the idols of this culture that we look to, the idols of our nation and the, the idol that's in our, in our hands. Those gods are dead. Those are false gods. Those are small g gods. Our God is the living God. And, 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 and Joshua was impressing this upon God's people. It is the living God who's going to do this. He was putting their hope into God who is alive. The living God is among you. Just as he is among us today. The God who lives is among us as his people, as his children. Our God lives. What's the old hymn? He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along this narrow way. How do I know he lives? He lives within my heart. He lives. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along the narrow way. I remember singing that hymn in church growing up. He lives. We need to find a hymn and try to sing it here at church. <laughs> but it's a good hymn. It's saying he lives. We're proclaiming that Jesus lives. Our God is alive. He is the living God. So he was telling Israel, the living God is among you. And he is moving on behalf of his people. He says, he will without fail, I like this, drive out from before you all these nations. Without fail, he's going to drive these nations out. Because guess what? He said that's what he was going to do. He told them that before. Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites. All those pagan nations God's going to drive out. And Joshua said without fail he's going to do it. God is not going to fail in doing this. Why? Because he's the living God. Our God never fails to fulfill his promises. Why? Because he lives. Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. So what do we see about God? He's the living God. He's the God of all the earth. He's the God who does not fail. That's what we see. Learn about God. When we read scripture, we learn about God. So what does it say about God? He's the living God. He is the God without fail. He, he won't fail. He's faithful to his promises. That's what that means. And he is the God of all the earth the ark of the covenant of the lord of all the earth he's not the lord of some of the earth he is the god of all the earth that's why genesis 1 and 1 says in the beginning god created the heavens and earth he is over the earth psalm 24 and 1 the earth is the lord and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein he is the god of all the earth he is the sovereign god he is the ruler of all he is the God who sets everything in order. This is the God 
who's going to lead you across the Jordan. The ark will lead the way. The presence of the Lord will lead the way. The presence of the Lord of all the earth. Guess what? He leads us. He leads his people. He leads us through trials and, and tribulations and, and through the ups and downs of life and through the joys and disappointments of this life. <coughs> God leads us through them all. Why? Because he is the Lord of all the earth. That's encouragement to us, just as Joshua was giving encouragement to Israel. The God of all the earth leads us. He will never forsake us. He will not put us to the side. He will not forget about us. Praise the Lord. So it says here, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Take yourselves 12 men, so they had to get 12 men together. Okay? These 12 men will likely have an important role to play in the events that we're going to see take place. That's why he said, take 12 men. One from every tribe. And set a come to pass as soon as the soles of your feet, of the feet of the priests, rather, who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the water shall be cut off. So Joshua was saying that they're going to see God work because he is with them. As soon as that foot touched the Jordan from those men, guess what? The river was going to start flowing on both sides. So now to get ready to cross the river, verse 14. So it was when the prophets set out, the people rather, set out from their camp. Remember, they had been three days waiting. They had all this stuff with them. When the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark did <laughs> This is just dipped into the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. So we're going to start right there. So. The feet of the priest. Dipped into the edge of the water. So the priest began the procession first. Remember, the priest had the Ark of the Covenant. They were, what, 1,000 yards in front of the people, like over a half a mile in front of the people. So the priest came and walked into a river that looked like it, was, it wasn't going to stop anytime soon. It wasn't that many priests carrying not one like it's a thousand of them. They went forward as soon as they tipped their toe into the river. Now, we don't know how long they stood. It could have been for a moment or it could have been for a long time. We don't know. Uh, the scripture is silent on that. But they dipped into the edge of the water. You know how it is when you going like you're down at a creek and you're trying to feel how cold the water is, so you kind of just, you know, dip your foot, uh, touch it, just to see how 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 it feels. That's kind of what the people did. 
You know what this symbolizes? The people taking a step of faith. Because God told them, just take a, as soon as you take a step into the water, guess what? They're going to stop. That's all it takes is a small step of faith. Yeah. Yep. A step of faith. Nothing big, not a jump. When the soles of your feet. I mean, just a, a, a step. They dipped in the brink of the water. That's all it took. That's all it took. Now, this was a time of harvest. It says in the commentary that the the waters of the Jordan. It says here um, the normal is three to ten feet uh, deep. And it was about 90 to 100 feet uh, wide. So that's pretty wide. So the banks were overflowing because of the time of the harvest. So it took a great leap of faith to trust God to just dip into the water. Like, man, what's going to happen? All I'm doing is just doing this step into the water. Now, this, this was a time where the Jordan wasn't a trickle. Okay? This was a time of harvest. The river was swollen and it was, it was overflowing its banks. Sometimes when we get a ton of rain and Chocolaca Creek is, is uh, swollen and, and uh, overflows its banks. We're talking about a river doing that. So yes. They could have had fear and trepidation in their heart. But guess what? They stepped out on faith. But look at what happened. Verse 16 to 17. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. And Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the sea of the Arab, the salt sea or the dead sea, were completely cut off. So the water from upstream stood still. God stopped the flow of the Jordan River. We don't know if he used the earthquake, but nevertheless, it was a work of God for their river to stop flowing. And it says here, all Israel, verse 17, crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. What did God tell Joshua earlier? That he was going to do great things among the people. And this is what he did. This was the great thing that they were going to cross over the Jordan on dry ground. And of course, where do our minds go to? The Red Sea, the same thing. God told them in verse 5, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. This was a wonder, crossing a river. 
the river is stopping and the people crossing it. So what did God do? He dried the riverbed so that they didn't slog through mud. Not by sight. Amen. Walk by faith and not by sight. And as I said earlier, God brought them out of the bondage of uh, Egyptian slavery by a miracle. He brought them out of the wilderness into the promised land with the miracle. And then it says here, the priest bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. The Ark of the Covenant. It was the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant cleared the way for Israel. It wasn't the people. It wasn't the power of the people. It wasn't the power of Joshua. It was the power of God that cleared the way for them to be able to cross over on dry ground. And we don't know how long it took these people to cross. I'm, I'm sure it took a while. You know, you're talking about two to three million people. It didn't happen like boom. We have to always keep that in mind when we're looking at, you know, I always say in the Old Testament, especially when you read an Old Testament narrative, everything didn't happen in linear order. You know, things took time. You have to just kind of, you know, one thing I like doing, especially when I'm reading Old Testament narrative, is thinking about how much time it took to do certain things. Not thinking in instant time like, like we do in our day. For two to three million people crossing the river, I'm sure that took a while. Hours, if not days. Days, if not weeks. With that many people. Amen. They made it across. So that means the river was stayed for a long time for them to cross. Now, as we close, I want to look at a couple of big ideas here as we looked at earlier, but, but some more. We're going to face impossible challenges in our lives. But we must look to Jesus who is our Joshua. What did God tell uh, Joshua? He was going to exalt him among the people so that they can look to him like they looked to Moses. Remember, Jesus, Moses is a type of Christ. Joshua is a type of Christ. Remember, Joshua's name is the Hebrew name for Jesus. Okay? We talked about that in the first chapter. Joshua's name is the Hebrew name for Christ. Joshua means God saves or the Lord saves, the same as Christ. Jesus. Jesus means the same thing. The Hebrew name for Jesus is the same name for Joshua. So Joshua is a type of Christ figure leading his people into the promised land just as Jesus leads us into the promised land. Just like God told Israel to look to Joshua, he's telling us to look to Jesus who is our Joshua. And Jesus always leads us just as Joshua led God's people, Israel. Jesus leads us. That's why we always look to Christ. 
That's why we sing the song, Turn Our Eyes Upon Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the ark. The ark represented the presence of God among the people. One of the titles of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That's, uh, I think, Matthew 1 in the first chapter of, of, of Matthew. The Ark of the Covenant was God with Israel. God's presence was with them. Jesus came and dwelt among us. John 1 says that. And the word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacle. That's what that word means. He tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten father, full of grace and truth. That's in John 1. So this Ark of the Covenant is pointing to Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of the Ark of the Covenant. We don't have to carry the Ark of the Covenant around anymore to represent God's presence. Christ's presence dwells in every believer through the person of the Holy Spirit. Just as God cleared the way for victory, Jesus cleared the way for victory for us in all things. Christ triumphed over our enemies through the cross. He triumphed over all things through the cross. Just as God triumphed Israel through the ark, through himself being among them. Another thing, God helps us face the most impossible circumstances. His presence assures us he is with us we have nothing to fear we have nothing to shrink away from he is always with us he's, he's always going to carry us through he is always going to see us through because why he's, he's faithful he's the faithful God and he is always going to see us through even when it looks daunting We walk according to God's word. We trust in Christ. And we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things. So we see this in this chapter that God was with them. God made this happen. God caused that sea to dry up. And God does that in our lives. We as believers follow his lead. Trust in God. Look to him. Look to him. Just as Israel looked to Joshua, Jesus is our Joshua, and we look to him. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord.